Attention citizens of the Empire and all Outer Rim territories, this episode contains spoilers. I repeat, this episode contains spoilers. You have been warned. Carry on. I couldn't sleep. It's natural. I need to be at my best. Don't worry. The excitement will kick in. Struggling to understand why my faith doesn't calm me. I believe in something. Why am I so unsettled? I mean, you have nothing. You sleep like a stone. I write when I can't sleep. Wrote about you last night. Not you, specifically, not Clem. Although I'm assuming that's not your real name anyway. The role of mercenaries in the galactic struggle for freedom. My conclusion is simple. Weapons are tools. Those that use them are, by extension, functional assets that we must use to our best advantage. The Empire has no moral boundaries. Why should we not take hold of every chance we can? Let them see how an insurgency adapts. Well, you have right. The Empire doesn't play by the rules. And how am I wrong? They don't care enough to learn. This is for our love of a galaxy far, far away. It's a galaxy as big as our imaginations, but it feels close like a member of the family. This is Forever Star Wars. Hello there. to begin. Where to begin. As a writer, I've faced writer's block many times, but often it's the result of not knowing how to say something well. With this review, I faced a new challenge and a new form of block. How to distill the mountain of feelings and thoughts and impressions from this seminal series in the Star Wars franchise down into a comprehensive and focused review. How do I write a review about a show that lingered in my mind long after the episodes were over? How do I do it justice? There's so much to cover, so many themes and moments and character beats that delighted or moved me along the way. How do I boil all of that down into the essentials? How do I write the perfect review of a Star Wars story that was, by all metrics I used to judge entertainment, nearly perfect? I've shown my hand. No point in being coy about it. Andor Season 1 is one of the best things Star Wars has ever given us. It's not just that. It's one of the best shows on television. Even without the Star Wars brand slapped on it, its stories and characters are so powerful, so expertly woven, that you don't have to know anything about Star Wars to enjoy it. It's a showcase of expertly crafted cinema, a how-to on smart script writing, a master class on acting with subtlety and nuance. The plot is smart, subversive, confident, and focused. It takes the simple, almost cartoon-like shades of good and evil Star Wars is known for and recomposes them in a menagerie of complex moral ambiguity. It offers the best depiction so far in this franchise of authoritarianism and how the seeds of resistance are sown to ultimately defeat it. Andor is, in a word, transcendent. I'd like you to come with me. How do you know about me? 
was hoping for a more relaxed conversation, but you're right, we don't have time. Contrary to what you told me, I doubt that you'll be sticking around. I know you killed two corpus at Molana One, and I know they're coming for you. Seems like such a waste to let them have you. Waste of talent. Who are you? That's the wrong question. The right question is, how much time do we have to get out of here? Why would I go anywhere with you? Don't you want to fight these bastards for real? The Empire Strikes Back is still my favorite movie of all time, but Andor Season 1 has now claimed the top spot as my favorite Star Wars anything. Season 1 is divided into a series of arcs that span two to three episodes each. Each arc contains a somewhat self-contained plot which connects to the overall story woven through the lives of its central characters. These arcs give Season 1 a broad, expansive feel. I often felt as though I was watching several seasons within a season. As I began to create an outline for this review, I quickly realized that it was going to take a very long time to cover all the story beats, plot twists, and character studies in a thorough and comprehensive way. The review was either going to be two hours, or I'd have to condense it down into something much more focused, but then I'd lose so much of the analysis I wanted to sink my teeth into. So my solution to this conundrum was to delegate the most in-depth analysis to future episodes of Forever Star Wars. This has allowed me to keep this review short and to the point, with an understanding that I can go back and tackle the show's various moving parts individually at a later date. Let me take a moment to go back to the start of the series, just before the first episodes aired. I typically like to take a break from social media when a new Star Wars movie or TV show debuts, so that I can reflect on it before the online discourse has a chance to influence my opinion. Star Wars discourse can be a tedious and frustrating thing to witness, because social media is not a place where nuanced and thoughtful analysis can thrive. Social media is where nuance goes to die. So I was prepared to do the same with Andor, but a funny thing happened. I didn't take that break from social media, and yet I didn't see any of the usual contentious topics filling my Twitter feed. Instead, most everyone seemed to be impressed by the show. Really impressed. I certainly was, but I didn't for a moment believe that my total and complete adoration of the series would carry over into the larger fandom itself. But it did. Not as many people seem to be watching it, of course, and that certainly played a role in how its online discourse unfolded. But Andor seemed to have done something no Star Wars in the Disney era ever had before. Silence the naysayers. What transpired was weeks of blissful adulation. The one thing that I kept hearing from fellow Star Wars fans was how staggeringly good the show was from a writing, acting, and production standpoint. We'd never seen writing so eloquent and characters so richly drawn that it sometimes made Andor feel like an outlier in the franchise, something that was wearing a cloak of Star Wars, but wasn't really Star Wars. I cannot disagree more. By removing lightsabers and force users and black and white connotations of good and evil, Andor was able to focus on the everyday people and the everyday lives of those who live under the thumb of the Empire. No Jedi exists to swoop in and save the day. So each character's choice is more perilous, more consequential, when there's no space magic to play deus ex machina. 
Andor focuses instead on the building blocks that George Lucas created in 1977 to give his space fairy tale such a visually lush and textural backdrop. Andor leans into this world building and shows us the cracks, crevices, scuff marks, wrinkles, and ruin of a galaxy festering in fascism. The Empire appears almost cartoonishly villainous in A New Hope, compared to how it's depicted in Andor. In this series, the Empire is a terrifying, paranoid-driven dystopia where even the privileged and wealthy living in its core must play its cloak-and-dagger games or risk sedition, as was the case with Senator Mon Mothma. It's a lie. The Mon Mothma people think they know. It's a lie. It's a projection. It's a front. Smile. I've learned from Palpatine. I show you the stone in my hand, you miss the knife at your throat. The series made the Empire actually scary. It gives us some perspective on what the early Alliance was fighting for and against, and it's not just a general concept of oppression. We see the horrors through the lives of the characters it impacts. Marva and Cassian lost Clem, and not just in a standard sanitized way that Star Wars has done in the past. He's falsely accused and then hung in the public square as an example. Marva and Cassian were forced to see his body displayed there, day in and day out. The Aldani arc showed how the Empire displaces indigenous cultures, with no consideration of their cultural autonomy. Cassian faces a similar injustice to what befell his father when he's in the wrong place at the wrong time on Neomos, and finds himself in a prison system that is built upon slave labor and a system of dehumanization. When he and the other prisoners break out, it's one of the most cathartic moments in Star Wars, a beautiful expression of liberation. Every victory in Andor is a hard-fought one, because we've seen what these protagonists are up against. One of the complaints I've seen about Andor is how it doesn't provide enough fan service. I'd argue that the show doesn't need fan service, because its story is strong enough on its own. The mark of good storytelling is that you can change the setting and the story would still work, because the strength is in the writing. But Andor does honor Star Wars fans by doing something that is long overdue in this franchise. It gives us organic fan service. Fan service is one of those topics that changes depending on who you talk to. Some view it as pandering to a fan base who only want to see Easter eggs and character cameos that tie the story into the larger framework of mythology and canon. They wait for those moments, almost like fans of football wait on that all-important touchdown. That kind of pandering does occur, but it doesn't necessarily make for bad storytelling. But if the story and plot is weak, fan service can feel like a writer's crutch. But in my opinion, Andor approaches fan service in a more productive way, by having it serve the story and not the other way around. At one point in the series, Mon Mothma learns that her husband Perrin has arranged a dinner party, and he's invited several of her political enemies as guests. What's all this? Dinner for the governor. What governor? The governor of Hannah. My regimental mate, that governor. That's tonight? It's on your calendar. I added it a month ago after we discussed it. You don't remember? I remember you wearing me down. I didn't think anyone could do that. Are you enjoying this? No, just looking forward to seeing some old friends. Who else is coming? Seating chance is there. Bars, Danga, Slymore from the Vizier's private chamber? Is that a problem? 
You can't be serious. These people hate me. They spend every day trying to undo anything I've touched. Well, perhaps tomorrow they'll think twice. When I first heard the name drops in the scene, I was excited by the possibility of seeing those characters and that dinner play out in the following episode. Sly Moore, for instance, is the tall, ghoulish woman who serves Emperor Palpatine and can be seen in Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. It was a fantastic way to further tie this series to the events of the prequel trilogy, but we never got that dinner scene. And when I realized this, I understood why. Non-Star Wars fans wouldn't know who Sly Moore is or why she's such a threat to Mon, but it didn't matter. The point was the inclusion of her name served that scene between Mon and her husband. We didn't need to see the dinner itself because we're given everything we need to know about Mon's position and how it threatens her. It also exposes the rift between her and Perrin, who is someone she shares a life and home with, but she cannot trust. As a fan, I got my name drops in fan service, but it served the scene as well. It was organic to the story. Andor is populated by many such moments of discovery. There were many instances where I sat up and said aloud, that's how you write a good script. There's a scene between rebel fighters Vel and Senta, as Senta is letting Vel know she plans to remain on Ferrix to wait for Cassie and Andor. At this point in the series, we knew very little about either of them, except that Senta had lost her family to the Empire, and that Vel and Senta were romantically linked. Alone. Two of us would draw too much attention. We'll just stay here and wait, just hope he shows up. Could be anywhere. This is all we have right now. What's the alternative? Haven't we been apart long enough? It's not about us. After what we've been through. You think the Empire stops to catch its breath? This is a fight to the death, Fel. Who would you say you are? Maybe I'm a rich girl, running away from her family. That's cold. Even for you. Exposition is one of those things that scripts struggle with. So much information about a character must be conveyed to give their motivations context. And yet this exposition is often dumped into the story in awkward ways that calls attention to itself. With this exchange between Vel and Senta, we learn that Vel comes from privilege, and we get more insight into the dynamic of their relationship because Senta is not above reminding Vel of her privilege. The exposition doesn't stop the story to make its point. It serves the characters and makes them more clear and distinct as individuals. I told you up front, struggle will always come first. We take what's left. I'm a mirror, Vel. You love me because I show you what you need to see. I'd like to take a moment to point out how incredibly grateful I am to the writers that they included LGBTQ characters for the first time in live-action Star Wars. And their inclusion wasn't just to check off a box for diversity. Their relationship actually helps to shape our understanding of the Rebel Alliance and what people sacrifice in order to serve the cause. The series Star Wars Rebels touched upon this same theme with Kanan and Hera, who were never given a proper chance to develop a romantic relationship due to Hera's devotion to the fight. It ended up costing them that future. But will the same happen to Vel and Senta? Their relationship is a vital part of the experience of being in the Resistance. So having LGBTQ representation not only serves to give us characters that people like me can identify with as a gay man, but it also serves the story. 
This is why representation is so important. Everyone deserves to see themselves and their life experiences reflected in media. And diversity in characters makes it a far richer story experience. I love getting to know characters who are not like me. It gives me more insight into the human experience. Throughout my life, I've been enthralled by Star Wars for its visual artistry, spectacular space battles, and rousing lightsaber duels set to operatic musical motifs. With Andor for the first time, I was getting just as excited over quiet subtleties like smart dinner conversations, knowing looks, and powerful character monologues. Now, the ego that started this fight will never have a, a mirror or an audience or, or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything! Star Wars has always thrilled the kid in me, but with Andor, I was finally getting a Star Wars that could excite the adult in me as well. It felt like a rare and unexpected gift, because Andor shows what is possible in Star Wars storytelling. As I wrap up my general impressions on this series, I want to point out that it was a show that I could not stop thinking about each time a new episode dropped. There was so much to appreciate in regard to the writing and acting and the themes it explored that I'd sometimes go back and immediately rewatch the episodes to catch things that I'd missed. I wanted to talk about it with friends. I was eager to see what other people were saying about the episodes, so I watched several prominent Star Wars channels on YouTube to listen to their takes, and I often learned new things and developed a fresh appreciation for the show by listening to the views of other fans. My usual practice of avoiding Star Wars discourse evaporated as I found myself seeking out other fans' analysis of each episode. The news that the show was not being watched by as many people didn't faze me one bit. In fact, it made it all the more special, because it felt like something that only a certain kind of fan would appreciate. I want Andor to be successful because it means that there'll be more shows like Andor in the future. But every Star Wars show and movie doesn't need to be like Andor. I wouldn't want that, and I don't think it would be good for the franchise overall. Star Wars is at its best when it stays hopeful and appeals to audiences of all ages, especially kids. Andor is not a series aimed at kids, but that doesn't mean that Andor is not true Star Wars. Back in the 1990s, I was immersed in the Star Trek Renaissance, which included TV shows like Star Trek The Next Generation. Star Trek Deep Space Nine came along and redefined what Star Trek could be, with a much darker take on the stories and with characters who were morally ambiguous and more complicated than the paragons of virtue displayed in characters such as Jean-Luc Picard, Spock, Kirk, and Data. DS9 alienated a contingent of Star Trek fans who refused to embrace it and said it wasn't true to creator Gene Roddenberry's vision of a future utopia. But that's what made DS9 exciting, how it pushed the envelope of what Star Trek could be in terms of science fiction storytelling. DS9 struggled with its ratings, not enough to be cancelled, but at the time it aired, it never received the attention it deserved, and often felt as though it was the outcast of the franchise. But not being the focus of the franchise allowed the writers of DS9 to do pretty much whatever they wanted, and they made that show some of the best television of its time. I fell in love with DS9's characters, and it felt like my Star Trek. No other series has generated that kind of fierce devotion from me, a sense of ownership and connection to it on an emotional level, until now. 
Andor is a dark, morally complex, and challenging series. Not every fan is going to embrace it. Not everyone will understand it. Many will dismiss it. But that's what makes me love the show even more. Before it aired, I was looking forward to how Andor connected the events back to Rogue One. I was thinking of it as a prequel to a prequel, a connective tissue that binds Rogue One and A New Hope together by showing how the Rebel Alliance formed. But Andor has become so much more than that to me now. It's finally given me queer representation that I've been longing for. It presents a more challenging and complex view of how both the Rebellion and the Empire operate. It makes fascism in Star Wars frightening again. It shows what is at stake and why the Rebellion's fight matters. The rewards of Andor are not only in how it connects to other movies, but in the journey itself. I have no doubt that it will recontextualize Rogue One, and I look forward to the time when Season 2 of Andor is finished, and I can watch both seasons leading into Rogue One with an appreciation for how it fleshes out Rogue One's story and characters, not the least of which is Cassian. Who knew that a show so dark could promise such a bright future for the Star Wars franchise? That concludes my synopsis review of Andor Season 1. Since the fan discourse was so integral to my feelings about the series, I wanted to invite some guests on to Forever Star Wars and have a discussion. One of the most rewarding things for me about experiencing Andor was listening to what other fans had to say about it. So I chose two people that I met and got to know in Anaheim while I was there for Star Wars Celebration earlier this year, Mark Adler and Lauren Romo. Both have since become good friends, and I can't think of a better way to wrap up a review of Andor than with a conversation with friends. I hope you enjoy it. I was thinking earlier that because uh, Brandon Boylan is on Clashing Sabres, but my brother is also named Brandon, and I thought, would it be cool if I had Mark Adler on... And, and then I had Brandon Boylan on, and then I invited my brother on, and it'd be two Marks and two Brandons. <laughs> Just because it I'm could, a sadist. Be, right. It right. could be something, whatever whatever the topic is, it could be such and such squared, because it'd be yeah, uh, two Marks and two, yeah, and two Brandons. There you go. The duality of the Force. Yes. The Force <laughs> Awakens squared. <It's>, <laughs> the episode show is writing itself right now, so yeah. It really is, yeah. Right, right, right. right. Well, um, so I, I I met you both at Celebration, and I mm -hmm. and we'd been Twitter mutuals for a while. Um, <clears throat> but we when we met at Celebration, like it was true for both of you. For uh, for me, is that I immediately connected with you. Like I thought these Aww. these people are just great. They're great to hang out with. They're the kind of friends that you can really talk about Star Wars with because. Y'all are so open-minded. You both are. Mm -hmm. You're very open to, you know, whatever Star Wars has available, you're open to it. Right. And it, it was just very, very easy to connect with you over those things. So that's the reason I wanted to have you on uh, the show, because I this part of Forever Star Wars, I'm, I'm branching out and doing this thing where I invite people on and we just have a conversation. It's, mm -hmm. it's not scripted. It's not all that organized. It's really just fans getting together and talking about Star Wars. 
I um, love that. I yeah, love it. I like that too. Mark, I'm very honored that you're on because this is the very first podcast you have ever done. Is that correct? That is 100% correct. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I feel like a little rock star over here. I'm like, wow, who am I? I'm, no- I'm, just, a, I'm just a nobody Star Wars nerd, man. You know, so, <laughs> so I'm very honored and thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Um, and, and Lauren, why don't you tell uh, Mark a little bit about your podcast and, and your background? Yeah, so uh, me and my cousin do the uh, Galactic Podcast, and we do a show once a week, um, usually. <laughs> right now, we're kind of a little bit on a, a break because uh, of An- uh, my cousin Andrea. Her work schedule during the holidays is uh, is insane, so we I give obviously she uh, take, takes her time. But yeah, uh, we've been doing that since 2018. Um, we crossed 100 episodes, like a few months back a couple months back that's fantastic um, that's yeah, amazing congratulations uh, that's awesome yeah yeah it, I, I mean me and andrea both said we're like we didn't think we'd ever get past like 20 let alone 100 and <laughs> here we are like uh, you know 100 and 105 or whatever episodes we're in so yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun and then yeah i met mark through twitter and oh my god we had i had such a blast at celebration that first day, Mark, you and I got to hang out. We went to dinner with a bunch of other friends, you know, and it yeah. was just, uh, we had a great conversation over dinner about Star Wars. Like, I, like, will remember that. It's so weird, but, like, obviously, it's so many memories. But, like, that one sticks out to me all the time because it was just, like, four people hanging out, and we were literally just talking, like, like, you, like you were just saying, like, talking Star Wars, like, just openly and just having fun discussion on it and it was just it was amazing and we had such a good time at the event too so yes i i'm honored as well to be here so very excited yeah and and when um when i met up with mark uh mark you were so so great about getting me all these uh posters that i wanted like (laughs) you, you really came through for me on those like you got me the andor poster and the bad batch poster and uh a couple of others um so Why don't you tell listeners just a little bit about your background, just to, to let folks know who you are? Yeah, um, I've obviously been a huge, huge Star Wars fan. I was born in 76, so I feel like I was born with uh, Star Wars in my DNA, you know. Um, yeah, I've just been a, a lifelong fan. I've always, as a kid, of course, what drew me to Star Wars was, and again, knowing knowing myself as a gay a a gay kid but not knowing what that was i just felt accepted in this star wars universe because there were so many different people there were so many different aliens so many different types of people you know and it's like i didn't see anyone that i felt like was like me you know what i mean that was attracted to you know the same sex or whatever you know but i know all my friends were talking about princess leia and i'm like oh han solo han solo <laughs> <laughs> so of course with that being said han solo and indiana jones was my first crush and still is my crush um and uh but yeah it's just i mean star wars was always it, it just i felt like it included so many so many people Um, And unfortunately, as we all know, it's kind of gone away from that. You know what I mean? And um, there's another podcast that I listen to called The Wampa's Lair. And they always start off every episode with saying Star Wars is for everyone. And that's something that I like Mm. to tell everyone. Because even though I might not agree with your favorite pick, but you know what? If it resonates with you, that's all that matters. Because it's supposed to speak to everyone differently, you know? Mm. Um, 
but yeah, I've just been a big Star Wars fan. I I love helping Star Wars fans, like like Mark, for example. Uh, I knew that he left on that Sunday, and I was able to get an extra Bad Batch poster. And I knew that he was a big Bad Batch fan, so I was like, hey, I think I have something that you might want, you know. Um, but same thing, like it was just at Celebration, it was the first time that I felt such a unity in the Star Wars fandom in the in the community after so many years of such toxic fandom you know um and it was just yeah. so great being there and that was my first one and i'm now i'm bummed that i didn't get to meet you lauren but next time we definitely will yes <laughs> and yes, um, yes, yes, yes. but yeah it's just um yeah and i live in uh, los angeles california i've been uh uh, my husband and I, we've been together for um, 18 years. We just celebrated our 18-year anniversary in November. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and we're going to have our seventh wedding anniversary coming up on the 19th of this oh, month. Oh, so, that's amazing. Yeah, so I'm just a, a very happy, appreciative, thankful person who happens to be married to my best friend and uh, and enjoy all, you know, all things Star Wars, all things pop culture pretty much, you know, so... But if you really want to know about my life, that's a different podcast. So <laughs> we'll save that. But I, for, but I, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> exactly. But but ironically, it's so funny because uh, obviously, Mark, you know the story. But Lauren, mm -hmm. um, I went to celebration with my nephew or my nephew who lives in Florida, Aww. and. Um, during, I forget which day it was. It was like the first day or second day. And of course, you know, communicating with Mark on Twitter, you know, I was like, hey, you know, that'd be awesome if we could meet up, blah, blah, blah. And um, we, we were still like texting and stuff uh, while we were at Celebration. But my nephew and I, we walked down to downtown Disney. And then on our way back to the convention center where we parked because we were about to leave, we were waiting to cross the street, right? And then all of a sudden I see this car pull up and it's making a right. And I look in the car and I'm like, Wait, I wait. I know that. Guy. Wait, Mark? And then he he was actually he was in an Uber, like literally turning oh right at God. the light. My nephew and I were sitting at waiting to cross the road, and we had not even met yet. You know, we just obviously just communicated through Twitter and social mm -hmm. media, mm -hmm. but it was just so crazy. And that's when I was just like, you know what? That's so cool that it was like meant to be. You know? Yeah, and, and, and it was meeting. Yeah. It was one of those moments where we both reacted the same way. Like we both pointed and went, hey, <laughs> hey, that's, that's yeah. Mark. <laughs> I, I feel like Celebration was like a week of that. Like, oh, my God, I know you. Just like <laughs> yeah, point yeah. at the person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, that was, that was just a cool way how like we met. It was like, oh, my God. And like, I think we both mouthed at the same time, Mark. <laughs> You know, it was, just, it was just a really, really funny moment, you know. It was I like the, like the Spider-Man cartoon where they're both pointing at each other. Oh, nice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah. that meme, like where they're the pointing at each other, like, hey, yeah. hey, you know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's pretty much it about that, so. Yeah, that. so I just want to, when this episode drops, uh, folks will hear my review recorded first. So I'm going to do a pre-recorded review and then this conversation will follow, so it at this point in the podcast, people have heard uh, that I had had really struggled with trying to write my review for this series. And the reason mm -hmm. I struggled because there was so much to cover mm -hmm. that I could not figure mm -hmm. out how to condense it all down into a into something that was simple and comprehensive and wouldn't be mm -hmm. two and a half hours long. <laughs> so um, what I ended up doing is doing just a very brief synopsis review of the whole season. And what I'm going to do later is in separate episodes, I'm going to go in and focus on one like one topic from the series, like a character or uh, a story arc and just do mm. an in-depth episode about that one thing, because I literally can write an entire episode around a conversation 
because oh it's God, that yeah. kind of show. Right. So, but I want to hear 100%. from yeah, I want to hear from y'all. Like, what were your general impressions? Like, so this is a prequel to Rogue One. What were your feelings about Rogue One, and how did how did you feel about a series that was going to explore Cassie and Andor's character? You know, Rogue One, I loved. I remember seeing it in the theaters and just having a like reaction of like, wow, it felt like Star Wars, but then it was different, but in a very good way. Like, I loved the characters. I loved Jin, Cassian. Obviously, Saw Guerrera was amazing. So it, you get this wonderful story. Like, just it, it seemed like a small story, but the movie made it so impactful, right? Like, the mission itself, trying to get the Death Star plans. I mean, we heard about it, right? I mean, we hear about it in New Hope and, you know, and, and whatnot. But to see it and to, to kind of feel what those characters went through was amazing, right? Make ten men feel like a hundred. We'll take the next chance. Rebels on you. Save the rebellion. Save the dream. So then they announced, you know, that hey, we're gonna do a Cassian series. I was like, wow, okay. Like my my expectations were 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 high because I believe that this was gonna be a show of politics that I don't think we've gotten in Star Wars yet. And I felt it was gonna be like a spy thriller that we have never seen in Star Wars. And for me, the show delivered overall. Like it it, it actually took my expectations and like blew them out of the water because mm. I had no idea like we were gonna get so in depth with the rebellion, first of all, and how it started. Like just just the, the struggle of, of how characters like Luthen, Mon Mothma, how they started to, you know, this, this rebellion overall, like just how they started it, what they went through, like individually and then together. And then again, mm -hmm. Cassian, Cassian himself, like his backstory of, you know, God, he grew up without, uh, without his parents, you know, he gets kind of, you know, uh, mothered by Marva, you know, because she takes him in. Like, it's just, it's a really interesting character. And then again, we, we see him in Rogue One in a totally different spot than we see him in the show. And, to see him progress through the show of not caring and and kind of being like a Jyn Erso, right? Like not looking up, not caring what's going on around him, but then being thrown into it and having to realize that, okay, I need to do something because if I don't, then everything around me is going to crumble. I mean, his friends were being hurt. Obviously, Binks, you know, his home of Ferex was being you know, obviously overcome by the empire. So, and I think he felt responsibility for that too, obviously for what he did in bringing that kind of um, attention to Ferrix because of his actions. So like, it's just, he's, he's such an interesting character, you know, again, overall. So that's why I was really excited uh, that they were doing this show. But then again, blew my expectations with not just Cassian, but these other characters that we got in the show. It was just chef's kiss writing 10 out of 10 no notes like it's just amazing amazing stuff yeah you, you mentioned um that casting was a lot like jen in this uh in this season because you mm -hmm. know he was sort of keeping his head down and refused to look up and get involved and one of the things mm -hmm. that that they use throughout the the season is the theme of sleeping 
And mm. uh, I mean, there's even in, in the Aldani arc, I think Nimic points out that he, he, he doesn't really sleep that well because of, you know, everything that's on his mind. And right. he points out to Cassian that Cassian sleeps like a rock. Well, the reason Cassian <laughs> sleeps like a rock is Cassian's not taking on any of the weight of, of any of that. But later in the series, you see him uh, in the prison the night before <laughs> they, they do the prison break and he can't sleep. And so mm. it's like it's it's like this idea, and of course we have that uh, that moment with Marva's message at the end, where she's telling everyone that we've all been asleep and we have to wake up. Um, so, Mark, what was your uh, your feelings about Rogue One, and then your impressions of a prequel series, and then how did it deliver for you? Um, very very similar to Lauren's and um, what we just discussed. Um, and again, I'll living in LA, it's, I'm very very fortunate because um, I have I have uh, you know a few friends, and one of my best friends. Um, is in the entertainment industry. And he actually, Rogue One has always been special for me, not only because I loved the movie, I thought it was great, but I actually got to attend the premiere. So mm-hmm. I went to the premiere of Rogue One. I got to see this epic movie that I, I, I had expectations for, but afterwards I was just, I was in, I mean, I cried, I laughed. I mean, K2SO became one of my favorite droids. It was just, it was just such a, an incredible movie. And afterwards, like, while they were interviewing the celebrities as they were coming out, of course, not me, but the celebrities, like I heard, <laughs> I heard a lot of people saying, I felt like that was the best since empire strikes back. Wow. And I, I, I could definitely see the similarities, but so anyway, even if I didn't like the movie, it was just such a special time and special moment that I got to actually witness a star Wars premiere, something I would never thought in my life I would, I would be able to experience. And thanks to my friend, it's, I mean, it was just unbelievable. So with that being said, after seeing the movie, it, I was just like, wow, Disney is blowing it out of the water with The Force Awakens and now Rogue One. I thought it was such a perfect movie as far as like, yeah, it did give you little Easter eggs. It gave you little cameos, but it wasn't all centered around that. It was an original story. I mean, when I say original story, we knew about the story, but to see it, you know, like you said, Lauren, we heard about it, but we actually got to see the struggles. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to care about these characters. I cared about every single one of those rebels that 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 were responsible for that that moment of getting the de- the the Death Star plans. You know, so I loved the movie. I thought it was perfect. But then when they announced the Andor series and all the other series, Obi Wan, Boba Fett, like all those shows that they announced. I'll be honest with you. Don't hate me. But I was like, do we really need an Andor show? Do we really need to know about this guy? Like, yeah, he was cool. But come on. Like, we don't need this. That's totally fair. It's very fair. Because I'm, I'm t- and I'm totally eating my words now because the the whole arc and I, and, and I love how like each, even though it was 12 episodes, I feel like it was almost like, I almost feel like we got four, like three or four seasons because oh, like there yeah. were, there were so many arcs in those 12 episodes and now, again, eating my words, Andor has become one of my favorite characters, and I want more. Even though I know the outcome of his character in Rogue One, spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen it, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it's I want more of Andor. I want to know about like the next thing because we see him, like you guys said, as someone that doesn't care, that doesn't want to get involved. He has one mission, and it's to find his sister. This girl from Canary. Any idea where she went? What are you? Seriously? Boyfriend, husband? I'm looking for my sister. But then he be- then he opens his eyes and, and uh, like the sleeping metaphor, he wakes up 
and sees that there's something that obviously he's holding onto this fantasy, hoping his sister's alive, when in, in front of him, there is a war and a rebellion happening. And he almost has to leave that fantasy behind and hit the world head on with this battle. And you see him grow. And we've seen him grow in this season one. And I'm excited to see him grow even more in season two into the character that we do see in Rogue One. So again, I was, it was my least, the, uh, it was not on top of my radar when they announced the show, but out of all the shows that they did release, Obi-Wan, Book of Boba Fett, and I'm one of those fans that I love them all. I think they're, they all great for different reasons, but Andor, in my opinion, has been the best one so far. I feel like Andor was the same for a lot of people that like initially when it was heard, right? I, th I think we all felt that we're like, oh, okay, like cool. And I don't know if I really need more in this character, but I think they did it so well, just like you guys were saying. Like... Yes, the the development of the character and everything, and that and that was the thing. I think I told I think I told you this, Mark, when when they were giving those Andor posters away at Celebration, like the last couple of days, they were they couldn't give them away because everyone already had them. They're like, yeah, I don't want it. Do you have the Obi Wan though? Do you have this poster? Mm. Do you have this poster? Mm. No one wanted that Andor poster. So I, I was grabbing more. I was like, I'll take more. I'll take more, you know? Um, and I'm very glad I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I think the show kind of, I mean, I guess, I guess sleeper hit might be a good term, but that's, it, not, that's not where I agree. I yeah. Agree. It kind of, yeah, that's a great term. Now, I mean, I, I love Rogue One. Like, Rogue One is one of my favorite Star Wars movies, and it's actually probably my favorite Disney-era Star Wars movie. Um, yep. So I was, but even, I agree with the idea of, like, I, like a Cassian prequel was an unknown. Like, well, really? Well, what are they? Okay, well, that's interesting, because didn't expect to ever see anything more from that character. But if they're going to give a prequel, then, you know, and Star Wars has conditioned us to, to think of prequels a certain way. And then... Andor comes along and yeah, it's giving you backstory, but it does it in such a unique way. Like mm -hmm. this is not like anything that Lucasfilm has ever done before. Absolutely. That's one of the things that makes it so exciting and dangerous because it's like, wow, if they can really take these kinds of liberties <laughs> and creative and really take some creative risks um, you know, what else is possible in Star Wars storytelling? So in what ways um, did y'all feel like it fit within the Star Wars universe? And what ways did you think that it maybe deviated from it uh, and broke the mold? And uh, we'll start with Lauren. Yeah, you know, I think it, it fits Star Wars, right? Because it is a story of people gathering together to fight evil, right? I mean, that's in in a family kind of way i mean family is very deeply rooted in star wars and i don't think andor is any different you know i mean the relationship between him and his mother the relationship the relationship between him and his friends like friendship family that's a huge theme in star wars we we all know that so in that regard and i think again the optics of it it felt star wars to me it 100 percent. like i felt i was in a star wars world but i think what they did was made it feel way more lived in and way more, I don't, I don't know if relatable is the word, but it felt that you were with the day-to-day -day people. Mm. It wasn't following a Jedi, which again, we love, we love, we love that, right? We love the Jedi, the Sith, Empire, Rebellion. We love all that, right? But we were following these new characters and we were following them in a time where 
again, the empire was ruling, nobody was standing up against them. And it was just, but seeing these people just normal day to day and how they were suffering was completely, completely different. Completely different, I feel. I feel we, we've gotten a bit of it, I think, in, in shows, maybe like Clone Wars and Rebels, but this really, I think, sunk its teeth into that aspect of it, of like feeling really rooted and grounded with that kind of the day-to-day. And I think a perfect example, too, is Mon Mothma, who I'll talk about later, too, but like her story and, again, like the the what she went through in the Senate and just her kind of day-to-day life was very interesting. Luthen, again, very interesting. Saw Guerrera, get to see him like pre Rogue One. And it's just, it felt Star Wars in many, many ways, but it felt different in many, many ways in a very good way, though. And I think they blended the two, in my opinion, very, very well. And I think what sold me was, I think, the writing. I mean, Mark, you, you talked about it earlier about how, you know, it's, you could do a whole episode on like conversations. Like, it's not even just scenes. Mm-hmm. It's just literal conversations between characters. That's a two-hour podcast. I mean, literally, you could do two-hour podcasts on, like, Guerrera and Luthen, like, their interactions. Krieger needs air support. I'm not for hire. Think of it. Think of Spellhouse in flames. Neither of you could do it on your own, but together. Krieger's a separatist. My pay's a neo-republican. The Gorman Front. The Partisan Alliance, sectorists, human cultists, galaxy partitionists, they're lost. All of them lost. Lost. Amazing. Like you could do those type of deep dives because of how well, well written this show was. So yeah, it, it was Star Wars. I mean, you know, we saw the aliens, we get the droids, you know, we see a K2SO model droid. So you feel like you're in Star Wars. You know, maybe it didn't have the lightsabers and, um, you know, not a lot of like stormtroopers and things like that. But you got the big hits, though. You got TIE Fighters. You got the Empire, you know, them trying to tractor beam Luthen in. Like you get those feelings of Star Wars, but in a very different way. I loved it. I loved it. And I'm so excited for season two to see where they go with it. If they keep going in that direction, do they do a little bit different? It's going to be interesting, but I'm very excited for it, though, overall. Yeah, Lauren, I, I agree. I There were not a lot of complaints that I saw, but the, the nope. few that I saw were always sort of, well, it doesn't really feel like Star Wars. And man, I could not disagree with that more. <laughs> right. Oh, right, uh, right. Yeah. So, so Mark, what, what were your, like, how do you see it fitting within the Star Wars universe? And then how do you see it deviating from Star Wars, if at all? This is this is what I love about this already. And if you ever need me on a podcast, Lauren, let me know. Because I love talking Star Wars with people that enjoy the love of it. Because, again, everything you said, I agree with 100%. Um, but to add on to that, like you mentioned family, you know. And I thought it was really interesting, the, the relationship that Cyril had with his mother. Could have visited any time you wanted. You know that. I know what to tell me. I intuit the rest. I intuit. You have no future prospects. I've forgotten the precision of your predictive powers. I have remembered how to mock me. I've forgotten how sensitive you can be. Perhaps you've forgotten my question. Do you have even a single prospect before you? I'll find a way. You see the struggle that he's having with his family. 
you know, wanting to be, wanting to impress his mother, wanting to do all this stuff where Cassian's doing the same thing and wants his mother, even though she's proud of him, but she wants, he wants to show her what he's done, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but family was a big thing with that too. And, And again, that the family of the empire, the family of the prison, a very, very, yeah, it, it was the world building, um, seeing the struggles that that everyone is going through in the galaxy, even even right. the Empire, because they're struggling trying to find these rogue people trying to destroy the you know the the, the rebels and so forth. You know, um, the the scope, everything was just so it it felt like like you guys said it it felt like Star Wars, but also it felt a little bit differently. And I will say that, like George Lucas has always said, like the prequels, he, that his defense was that was like you remember these are for kids, these are for kids. Now <laughs> those kids have grown up, and that's their love, that's their Star Wars. So I feel like with Rogue One, that's the one thing I would say is I don't think that this was a show intended for children. Whereas mm-hmm. like, right. whereas like the book of Boba Fett, yes, it could be, but then they had like, you know, the biker gang in there, which was kind of like the power ranger ish, which could get the kids involved. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then, mm-hmm. then the cool, the cool action stuff got the grownups involved. But this, I really feel like was a different beast. It was almost, and I've heard this cause I do watch a lot of like the YouTube videos and stuff like that. And one of the things that I heard the most of is this did not feel like a Disney plus show. It felt like an HBO shit series or like a game of Thrones or something. And my only complaint about this, and I hope it changes is I would have loved to have seen this in the theater, the dynamic, oh, the cinematography, yeah. Yeah. everything. Like yeah. if they did do, if they did, cause I know that they've done like, um, you know, they, they'll like before, you know, rise of Skywalker came out, they played all, all the movies before that. I would totally sign up for an all day event. As long as there was an intermission. So we could go to the bathroom <laughs> to watch all 12 episodes on the big screen, because that is the, that's the only thing that to me, it would have been, again, it felt so dynamic and so huge and and it, it that's my only complaint about it is I wish I could have seen it on the big screen because I think that would have elevated the experience even further. It, it it's very cinematic. Go ahead, Laura. Yeah, no, well, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt, but like scope wise, like Mark was just talking about, like this show even felt different from other Disney Plus Star Wars shows. And again, this is not a knock on any of the other ones. I know that's a big thing on Twitter lately about Andor is better than blah, blah, blah. Okay. Fine. If that's your opinion. But you ha- for me, the difference is Andor just felt more cinematic. Just like Mark was saying, like you could, this is, this is a movie like theater felt show. This wasn't a in the volume Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And that's not, again, that's, that's not knocking those shows because they use the volume and that technology beautifully, in my opinion, like Mandalorian yeah. is, is a great show. Like yeah. cinematography wise, Boba Fett was, and so was Obi-Wan. Like all those were really, really well done, but Andor just felt different because you were on location. You were on bigger sets not just the volume. And and Gilroy talked about that in like, I think many interviews about, you know, yeah, the volume's there and it's neat, but he felt that this, how they wanted to pre- present this story, it needed to have that feel of like a big movie set, right? The sets, the props, 
all that stuff. So, and and you felt that though in the show, cause it felt that way. Like it felt big and cinematic and like theater worthy watching. I, I couldn't agree more with you, Mark. Like if this was showing in a theater, I, I, I agree. Give me an intermission at some point, but let's yeah. watch it on the big screen. <laughs> let's watch it on the big screen. And another thing that I thought was great too, is that like, we've all seen what we thought was the evil empire, but I think this show showed not only the evilness of the empire, but the sadisticness, like the, yeah. the, 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 the floor, the electric floor, how terrifying was that? Yeah. And one of the lines that, that was kind of just brushed off where, where they first brought Andor in there and they're like, Oh, do you sleep in, do you, do you sleepwalk? And he's like, Oh, you'll find out soon. How terrifying if you were a sleepwalker, how terrifying was that? So again, they just did such a great job. And even though you know he survived, but keeping you at the edge of your seat the whole mm -hmm. time, yeah. even when Mon Mothma, all of these characters that you do know that survive into the future uh, Star Wars uh, properties, you're still so nervous and so stressed out for them. You know, so they just mm -hmm. did. They just blew it out of the water. And again, like we've all agreed, it did feel like Star Wars, but it didn't at the same time in a good way, like you said, mm -hmm. Lauren. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they the world building in this show went so far beyond what we think of as world building. I mean, like right. the I think the, the, for me the prequels are very visually lush because there's so much detail packed into every little background detail. Yep. That you, you can just yep. sort of lose yourself in all the, the the extravagant visuals and and the details and the artistry. And I really I really love the prequels for that reason. But I feel like Andor has done that with story building elements as well. Like mm. the fact that um, Ferrix, the community on Ferrix was such a well-defined community. We saw their, uh, their daily rituals. We saw the fact that the scrap workers all had work gloves. And if you notice, the work gloves are all distinct and different. And that, mm -hmm. that tells you something about the people who work there, that they're all individuals. Like they all work towards the same goal, but this is a community of individuals who work together. And it's mm -hmm. little details like that, that I think I made a comment once on Twitter that I can't imagine what they would put in like the, the visual guidebooks that they release, where it's always like these little details and things that you didn't hear about in the movie or the show, but they Lucasfilm has added those, those details in the book. Like how would they do that with the show? Because we got everything on screen. Yeah. <laughs> All of those yeah. little details and nuggets were there in this story. And Absolutely. That, that's never been done before. And that carried over into how characters are depicted. Like the characters mm -hmm. are all so fleshed out to the point that I would be watching. And then like the moment Mon Mothma came on screen, I was like, okay, this is going to be important. Got to pay attention. <laughs> right. <laughs> everything that was going to happen in that scene, any scene with her and anyone was going to be so <laughs> vital to who she becomes as the mm -hmm. leader of the Alliance later later down the road. And I think, Lauren, you alluded to perhaps uh, Mon Mothma being the standout character for you that you wanted mm -hmm. to discuss. Yeah. It. So, you know, when you hear, when I, when you, when we started hearing about who was going to be in the show, obviously Andor, and then, you know, we had rumblings and obviously we got confirmation that, you know, Mon Mothma was going to be in, in the show. So my initial like reaction was like, okay, cool. More Mon Mothma. We'll probably get a lot of Senate stuff, right? Cause She's she's a senator. We know that you know she was a part of you know the bringing the rebellion together. So we're gonna get a lot of politics. It's gonna be really really cool. 
And I think I was so blown away what they did with her character that I was not expecting anything that they threw at me with her. Like in going into Andor, our knowledge of Mon Mothma was basically she was a senator. She led the rebellion. She, you know, from from Star Wars Rebels, you know, spoiler kids if you haven't watched the show. But like, you know, she gets she gets, you know, saved by the ghost crew. And she's the one that calls all the different rebel cells together. Like, you know, we get these little nuggets of her. But then this show's like, you guys want my Mothma? Here's my Mothma. Here's her family life. Yeah. Here's her husband. Here's her daughter. Yeah. Here's a marriage that was arranged by, you know, her Chandrillan culture. Here's what she's going through on a day-to-day. And I was so blown away with all of that information that they gave us with my Mothma, my like total perception of her like completely changed to like, wow, she is such a dynamic character in Star Wars that I think we need to talk about her mm-hmm. way more than we ever have. Yeah. And again, absolutely. Genevieve O'Reilly, I cannot express my love and admiration for her as my Mothma in this show. She did such a stellar job. And just like you were saying, Mark, before, like you were on your your hands in like pins and needles when she was in a scene because you knew something was going to happen. You knew something like important was going to come up. It was going to be something that was very pivotal. Get your coat. It's out of your way anyway. So what's the point? The point is we have a schedule. The driver's waiting. I've planned on this and we're going. You're only doing it to show off. What? Just go. What would I be showing off? You're involved somehow. That's just... Nobody cares. You can relax. That's just so heartful. See? There you go. Go where? That's my point. It's all about you, isn't it? It's always all about you. Is this really how you'd like to start the day? I didn't choose this conversation. Every scene that she was in was very crucial to the overall her overall story you know so yeah i think her she was the outstanding outstanding for me again but it, it's so hard because there are so many other characters yeah. Yeah. that <laughs> i could choose i mean literally every character that we got this year you could say was just outstanding because of the i mean not just the writing and acting alone but like god these actors did such a wonderful job portraying these characters in a specific way to have you, you know, feel certain ways about them, you know, and but for me, it, it was my mothma because I think it's just information and knowledge that we didn't know before about her that was just, you know, again, her being married that blew my mind. Having a daughter and having a daughter that like totally dis- disregards her in every single way, and that was just a again, it was such a a small storyline within this within the season and I hope we get more of it because again my mind for my mothma goes to okay I know that at some point she she guilt she gets off of Coruscant and she is rescued by the ghost crew we know that from rebels but like at that point when we see her in that in that uh, wonderful show I love that show very very much she is not with her husband or her daughter so like I'm like okay where did they go? What happened? I have so many more questions now because of the introduction of her family life and the struggles she was going through and trying to be 
this you know senator but also this person that is trying to rebel against the empire and starting a revolution it's just it's insane and i loved love 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 what they did with that character so yeah she's my outstanding character yeah the the the, the show does a really good job of taking what you think of when you think of what you're waiting for in a prequel which is to mm-hmm. see how all the dots connect and how the right. character gets to the point you know they'll end up at right. and instead it says okay yeah that's important but the journey is way more important than seeing it actually like seeing them reach that point yep. but it's what yep. do they do to get to that point or who were mm-hmm. they before and that changes completely recontextualizes your view of them at that point in the story that you do know her like like Cassian is going to be a very different character when you rewatch Rogue One after watching two seasons of his yep. journey. Yep. So, mm-hmm. Mark, for you, what was the standout character like that? God, Mark, this is the most unfair question ever. This is like <laughs> saying I have I have five I have five animals, two cats, and three dogs. That's like saying who's your favorite. Okay, Mark, that's unfair. <laughs> but. But I will say everything, Lauren, you said about Mon Mothma, 100%. Like that was the first thing I thought about. And the way this show is going and like the 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 adult tones and the, the, the almost darkness of the show, is she going to is, is she gonna have to make a decision between her fight and her daughter? Is she going to have to kill her daughter mm-hmm. because her daughter is going to expose her or her husband? Like all these things went through my mind. I'm like – this woman, we don't even know what she's gone through yet, but my heart's hurting for her already, you know, mm-hmm. just what, yeah. from what she's gone through. And honestly, like I, 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 I try, like I go back and forth. I try, oh, this character is my favorite, this character. But I honestly felt like this was such a strong ensemble that it's so hard to pick one character okay, because yeah. like some of my favorite scenes like I, I'll say, I'll tell you this. One of the standout scenes, and I, and I did like acting in high school. I did a little bit of acting outside, nothing major, of course. But the scene that hit me, and I was like, "What brilliant acting! What brilliant character development!" Were the scenes when Luthen and Mon Mothma were talking in the antique shop, oh, and when their so backs, good. and when their backs were against the door, <laughs> it's like their true feelings so and their good. facial expressions. So but soon good. as. Lu- but then soon as Luthen turns around and the driver is looking at him, he's smiling. He's I like, know. look at me. We need every credit we can get our hands on. Let me know how the meeting goes. I'm afraid I won't be taking either of these pieces this morning. <laughs> I have some new things coming in very, very soon. I'll be sure to come by. Always at your service, Senator. Always at your service. That's that, so good. Those scenes were unbelievable. And, and that's and that was another part. I was like, I am not watching a Star Wars show here. This is mind-blowing, you know? But again, uh, there, there were so many characters that, again, I thought that I wasn't going to care about. But again, there, I cannot say... There was not even even the even the the you know uh, Deidre even Cyril. There were I cared at one point about all these characters. Yeah, some yeah. way, shape, or form. Maybe not some of the you know the the uh, what were they called in the White Room? The Senate, the um, ISB. The yes, thank you, the ISB. Like so, of course, some of them I could give you know I don't really care about, but like those <laughs> main characters, you 
feel their shame. You feel their embarrassment when they fail, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. even, um, even the, 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 the young African-American kid that was helping, I forget his name, the, the one that was helping Andor with it. When he gets shot, I cried. I was like, I thought he was going to survive. No, you know, like he was <laughs> such a, even though he wasn't in the forefront, but he was such an integral part of Andor's plan. It just, I mean, it, it, again, I can't pick out one specific character, but like just the, just the dynamic between, I, I feel like not one person stood out. It was more of a ensemble or a, or a, or a mm. couple like mm-hmm. Cyril and Deidre or Cyril and his mom or Marva and, um, and Andor, um, Lutheran and Mon Mothma, you know, and of course we can't, we can't forget B2 emo. I mean, he was <laughs> such a precious droid uh, and him standing with, I'm going to start crying on, on this and I don't want to start, but like just <laughs> when he's there, like not leaving Mon Mothma's side. And when I forget the character, but whenever he's like, Hey, we're about to take her out. Do you want some time alone with her? I mean, I was in tears. I was like, oh, my God, why am I crying at this droid, you know? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I really can't pick out one specific character, but I agree with what you said, Lauren, about Mon Mothma. Um, the struggles that we've seen her go through and what's to come is what's going to mm-hmm. kill me, too, you know? Yeah. But And, again, Lutheran, just all the characters I want more from, and I want to see yep. where their story ends and and what part that they were a part of this huge rebellion, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, uh, you take a character like Cyril Karn, who in any other Star Wars story, his his story would have been over after Episode Three. Like, <laughs> yep. like that exactly. would have been the, that'd be the last we saw of him because and for them to have followed him was so fascinating because it's like this really this show really is just pulling back the curtain on the galaxy and saying you know. We're we're gonna follow this guy as he goes in this downward spiral of, of of you know having to return in shame to his home of Coruscant and go move in with his mom and be browbeaten every day and on the lower levels on the uh, lower levels of yeah, Coruscant right, <laughs> yeah right. and yet and I kept thinking like how does this tie into the larger story like how why do we keep revisiting Cyril like and 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 even by the end of the season where I'm not really sure that his story does really, it doesn't really come to a conclusion. It just sort of, he, he meets up with Daedra and like their story will continue, I suppose. But it's definitely, the, you could tell that the show is written from a perspective that they know where everything is going. Oh yeah. And oh, how, they're, yeah. how they're getting us there is the thrill of the ride. Um, Absolutely. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So you thought that the the character question was difficult. Well, this is the probably the most difficult, which is if there is one arc in the series that you can focus on. <laughs> Mark, you're killing us. You're killing us, Mark. <laughs> Ignore the rest of them and just pick one. Uh, oh. So I'll, I'll go ahead and let you you do it, Mark, since uh, I'm going to pick on you here because it's going to be the, the, the second tough question. Are you sure? Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> Honestly, even though we we saw from the beginning, I mean, from that first episode when we saw Andor looking for his sister, you know, going into that bar, you know, getting getting um, um, picked on or whatever by those um, ISP uh, members, it I would I would have to say, and I know this is probably everyone's favorite, and it wasn't because of the action, it wasn't for it was for so many reasons. But the prison break episode, like th- that whole mm. arc where he gets arrested and he's put in prison, yeah. because 
there even though there was great acting andy circus i am sorry i believe he is one of the most underrated actors because everyone looks at him as the you know the cgi character the the this the that but his expression when he realized that no one was getting off of that that station or that you know just his look and his face you could feel everything draining from him you know mm -hmm. you could see and to me in my opinion even though andor was the leader um at when they got the when they got the uh credits you know what i mean but i feel like that prison arc was the first time we saw andor as a true leader to what he's going to become in rogue one I feel like that was the first part that like he he was a leader and he was on he was beating the 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 path of his own drum but I feel like that was the first time he had a team behind him and he realized could I have done this on my own no I needed each and every one of these the ones that survived and the ones that swam to safety I needed this team to succeed and I think that's a or foreshadowing of the what he knows needs to be done in Rogue One so I, if I had to pick one arc, I would say that whole prison arc because he it showed him as a leader. It showed him as a team player and almost overtaking the leadership of Andy Serkis's character as the leader of that or the head the head of that unit. You know, he was actually um, what's the word I'm looking for? He was the one that was actually encouraging him yeah. to take a stand. This yep. is, this needs yep. to be done now. Our day is tomorrow, or else we're gonna be, we're all gonna rot here and die. You know it's true. We need to act tomorrow. So to me, I thought that was Cassian's part where he really shined and really became when he realized, hey, you can just get pulled over on the on the beaches for doing nothing and get incarcerated mm -hmm. for life. Mm -hmm. You know, so I really feel like that was his wake up call, and he realized. And again, that that whole line that Andy Serkis's character. Uh, Kino said where he's like I would rather die uh, fighting than die giving them what they want and mm -hmm. that was that was so powerful and again that just that whole arc was just unbelievable to me and if I had to pick one even though I loved them all I would have to say that was like the the, the pivotal moment for Andor to show his leadership. He does it a, a bit in Rogue One, where he sort of he steps up and and tells you know Jen he's there to support her, you know, and mm -hmm. he he mm -hmm. sees he, it's like you said he has figured out how to inspire greatness in others, like he's he's yes. the ultimate support system for the leaders, mm -hmm. and um, it's interesting because when the show starts he does it, but he does it unwittingly, such as his participation in on Eldani is what inspires his mother. And yet she doesn't know that he's the one <laughs> who did it. And that it so, was that it was him, exactly. Right, right. And so he was sort of stumbling into that. And I guess, you know, that's one of the things like we've we've done this whole review and we've never once mentioned the force. And yet I think that like you can see the force at work in this show for like mm. those sorts of coincidences mm -hmm. where yep. like even though he's not consciously doing it, the force is guiding him to do to into these into these uh, pivotal moments that change the course of history. 
And he's yeah, 100%. In a way, it's kind of a silly way to look at it. He's kind of the Forrest Gump of Star Wars and that he sort of ends up being in all these important places <laughs> That's and meets these So imp- true though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So, Lauren, what was what was the big standout uh, arc for you and, and we're going to we're going to wrap it up with your your uh, your pick as well. Yeah, again, such a hard question because I mean, you could argue all you could argue every single arc was so important, right? Aldani yeah. led to led to uh Narkina 5 led to Ferrix. And I think for me, it really was those last two episodes. It was the 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 clash on Ferrix. Like everything all roads were leading back to Ferrix. Like once we, you know, got to that point where it was apparent that that that's what was happening, right? We were going back to Ferrix. We were going to see some type of clash between the Ferrix people, that community, and the Empire. And I was I was astounded just of how they did it, how they built everything up from from the beginning of the season to the end and how they built that up from that first episode and then what we got in that especially the finale seeing marva on that hologram and just that amazing speech by fiona shaw but i fear for you we've been sleeping we've had each other and ferrix our work our days we had each other and they left us alone. We kept the trade lanes open and they left us alone. We took their money and ignored them. We kept their engines churning and the moment they pulled away, we forgot them. Because we had each other. We had Ferrix. My God, it was so good, so powerful. And you get these different views of, you know, Luthen Luthen hearing what Marva's saying and totally, like, understanding that's how he felt, right? I mean, he just said that, like, two, three episodes back to the uh, the ISB guy that he has, um, you know, undercover. Like, it's, it's been his mantra. And then seeing somebody like Marva kind of say what he's been feeling too for such a long time it hit him and then her speech hits you know the community overall and gallivants this entire riot against the empire with just two words fight the empire like it was just so good and then again cassian the growth of again we see him not caring wanting to put his head in in the sand wanted to live in you know the the star wars miami scene but then gets pulled into it and then realizes that it's so much bigger than him and that you know again he felt so responsible for what has happened on ferrix and then he loses his his mom the one that cared for him the most you know and then those those flat the flashback we got with him and his father you know father figure uh, it's just oh it was so good and then again, him saving Binks and just like get, making sure they get to safety. Like it was just so, so powerful, that whole finale. And it was just a beautiful way of bringing all these characters, right? That we were, that we have been following for 12 episodes. Well, 11 episodes up until that point. And then you bring them all to back to Ferrix, where it all started, right? We come full circle. And to have it go down the way it went down, 
I mean, the the band marching down uh, uh, Rick's Road. Yeah. Oh, oh my oh. God! It's so like, oh, it's so Star Wars, and it's so yeah. good. Like, it's just, it, it's 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 amazing. But I think again, the the very last you know scene in the in the finale of Cassian on Luthen's ship. I'm telling you, that was such a great scene. Diego Luna and um, Skellen Skarsgård. It was beautiful because, again, Cassian kind of like opening up himself to this idea of being, I think, a leader because of what happened on, you know, Narkina 5. He sees that he can do good and he reaches out to the person that wanted him dead. Like he knows Luthen wanted him dead. And he just goes up to him and say, listen, if you want me dead, there's my gun. Go ahead and do it or take me in you know like it's your it's your choice i'm gonna let you decide my fate and he put so much trust into luthan you know believing that he could use andor like he told andor like in the very beginning of the of the season like you know that's exactly what luthan told him like do you want to be someone that you know just just lets you know the world crumble or do you want to be part of something and get these, you know, SOBs and get and get it back, you know? So, like, it's a full circle moment for me, like, starting, you know, with Andor reluctantly, you know, going to Heldani, and then full circle at the end of the uh, season, like, wanting to be a part of something bigger than himself. And it was just so well done. Again, the acting, we talked about it too, was brilliant. It's not just an individual. It was truly an ensemble. And I I think we know it's been getting, you know, nominations now uh, starting to. So, and that's really good for, you know, for me, and I I don't want to speak for both of you guys, but like, it feels good to have a show like Andor get recognized in that kind of, like, Star Wars always gets the, 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 the visuals, effects, and sound design, as it should, right? But to have it be nominated for, like, one of the best like shows right not just because of the visuals but the acting the writing directing like that that's awesome and that feels really good as a star wars fan to see like something that you love get recognized by the quote-unquote you know uh, critics and whatnot and it and it really does deserve it for sure and again that that finale again i think those last two episodes specifically that finale it was so good and i that that was probably my standout as hard as it was to choose because again you could put any <laughs> arc in the show right because mark <laughs> is a sadist i i i definitely have to go with just again how the wrapping up of this of of the season one was was beautiful in my opinion yeah lauren i, I have to agree with the idea that uh you know sure awards and accolades are nice and sometimes our favorite things don't get them and mm-hmm. um you learn to live with that or you, you know, sort of take it for what it is. But, um, the fact that while watching this series, I was thinking like, this could win awards, like acting awards, writing awards. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing that kept coming to my mind while watching this season week to week was what a gift this is. Yep. Like it is a gift. Yep. I, I did not expect someone to come in and write a Star Wars story that would take so much of what I love about Star Wars and present it in a more adult way, but not in a like a darker necessarily way or a grittier way, but just in a more mm-hmm. mature way. Um, 
and yeah. to treat it with seriousness. And not to say that other Star Wars doesn't treat it seriously. I, I right, really right. do believe that, that Star Wars should, like you said earlier, Mark, Star Wars is for everyone. Yep. And it yep. should be accessible by everyone. And so the way to do that is sometimes you have more adult-oriented stories and sometimes you have more family-friendly stories. And animation can, can tell both kinds of stories. So there's really no limit now. We've seen the breadth, the breadth of storytelling that is possible in Star Wars. And, <laughs> yep. and Andor is perhaps the best and last final example of just how good Star Wars can get. Right. So um, that will wrap up our conversation. And I'm so thankful to both of you for being on this, uh, this episode because um, this is exactly the kind of conversations that I enjoy having with fellow Star Wars fans. No, well, thank you. This was a lot of fun. This was a lot right of back fun. at you. And if and if we didn't have to end now, I could go on for the rest of the day. I'm not. Oh, waiting. I could talk about Star Wars all day. Right, right. <laughs> so we, we could we could come up with our own speeches, like like Mon Mothma or like you know Marva. We could end we could end with one of those powerful speeches, but we'll right. leave that for another time. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, be writing it, thinking about what you want to say, and I'll have you back on. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Done. So, so, uh, Lauren, why don't you tell people where they can find you on social media? Yeah, uh, so you can follow me uh, at uh, Loro Knows on Twitter, question mark, for now, uh, until Hive comes back up. Um, <laughs> all, all up in the air, right? Uh, but, yeah, you can follow me there, and then you can follow the Galactic Podcast uh, on Twitter as well, at the Galactic Pod. And all of our shows are on Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, all the major platform so uh go check us out and yeah again mark thank you so much for having me on this is such fun i love these conversations oh you're very welcome and uh mark uh where can folks find you um they can find me i'm taking a little bit of a social media break because of the uh yeah we all need that sometimes but i am on uh i am on twitter for right now again (laughs) uh and it's at madonna underscore mark and i'm on instagram at just madonna mark and then I did start a hive um, because oh. I figured, hey, I want to go there. And that is just, it's me, Mark Adler. So, yeah, so I'm on those. Um, I haven't really posted anything on hive yet, just because, like I said, I'm still taking that social media break probably till the beginning of the year. Um, but yeah, just needed to, needed to cleanse myself and uh, just uh, to, to basically stay in the now and, and, and focus on what's important, you know? So, totally. Well, um, I know it's a couple of years away, but can I get you both to commit to coming back and talking about Andor Season 2? Sign me up. I'm there. <laughs> um, twist my arm. Let me sign a contract now. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'll, I'll figure out sadistic ways to limit it to one hour. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, y'all. All right, thank you thank so much, you. Mark, for having us. And Lauren, nice meeting you. You too, Mark. Thank you. Thank you again. This was thank a lot you. of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The views and commentary of Forever Star Wars do not reflect those of Lucasfilm or Disney. All licensed sound and music are property of their respective copyright holders. Clashing Sabres and Forever Star Wars are not affiliated with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of their subsidiaries. The commentary and production of this series is the property of Clashing Sabres and Forever Star Wars and may only be used with permission. Until next time, may the Force be with you. And always remember... I share my dreams with ghosts.